My name is Erin Kenny. I am a registered dietitian, holistic cannabis practitioner, and master of nutrition science. Welcome to my podcast, Nutrition Rewired, where I share cutting-edge, practical advice to improve your health and debunk myths to help you rewire the way you think about nutrition and wellness. In today's episode, I'm joined by Dr. Seb, who is a biological dentist. We're going to be discussing the importance of taking care of your oral health to improve gut health and so many other conditions like insomnia, mental health, inflammation, autoimmune disease, you name it. The oral microbiome is a gateway from the outside world to your gut microbiome. Every single time you swallow, millions of oral microbes are transported from your mouth to your digestive system, which is why it's really important that you take away some of these tips that Dr. Seb has for us today on things like tongue scraping, oil pulling, and even which types of toothpaste and mouthwashes to completely avoid. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. So hello, Dr. Seb. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me, Erin. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to speaking some things, hopefully that you're used to and understanding, but hopefully get some great information out there that can, you know, really help people make some small and simple changes that make huge changes to the system. So yeah, and I know we've got some good points lined up. So that makes yeah. sense. I'm very excited. I don't think people get excited enough about dental health because they don't know, right? The connection between the gut and the oral microbiome. And so hopefully today we will get people more excited about it when they understand that this is an area of our body that we should be paying more attention Mm -hmm. to if we want to optimize not only our digestive health, but so many more other aspects to our health. It's interesting, isn't it? And, you know, a lot of the, the, if you think around the the images of like dentistry in your mind it's like kind of people having teeth pulled out people having root canal treatments and and people getting fillings and drillings and pain and stuff and for me I've turned it on its head and I really want I want it to be a place that people come to have fun and to actually improve their well-being because we all look forward to going to a spa for example don't we or we all look forward to like going to a sauna or steam room or you know even you know going to have uh, sit in the sun and line the sun which is all biohacking things that help with your system so I'm trying to make the dental environment very comfortable, very easy to come into. And people want to come because they want to remove the metals from the system. They want to change the microbiome. They want to improve the way they breathe and sleep at night. And they want materials in their mouth that aren't going to influence, you know, in a negative way. So for the most part, I have patients who are excited about coming. But obviously, there's some surgeries that you can't get around doing. (laughs) Sure, sure. Of course. And I'm one of the weird people that I've always loved going to the dentist, even you know, surprisingly with someone with like, um, you know, I had what nine cavities when I was a kid, which when you look at my gut was absolutely destroyed because of antibiotics, but mm-hmm. I loved it. And I always loved the feeling afterwards. Um, so let's dive in. Cause you just brought up some amazing points that I do not want to miss out on. I don't want to forget <laughs> about, and I want to be uh, cautious of time. So brief introduction about you and kind of how you got into become more of a holistic um, dentist, a biological dentist um, in this field and line of work. Oh, gosh, well, I always wanted to be a dentist as a kid. And long story short, I didn't get the grace to get into it first time around. And I thought, OK, well, maybe it was just the money. Maybe that's all I wanted to do. So I went to university, studied biochemistry and got a job in London working for a big IT organization in the IT department. And earning good money, but really not enjoying life at all. And actually, I went through my own 
gut dysbiosis and systemic candida kind of story after going traveling around South America. Um, and it took me and my other half on this journey of really understanding where where true health is and where that lies. And, you know, lots of things overlapped at the time, whereas I had amalgam filling that came out and got it drilled out improperly. And I had um, I had complete dysbiosis on guts. And, and my, my, all of, so the NHS in, the, in England was, just, I was just going there and just asking for antibiotics, antifungals, antiparasitics, just thinking that would help because I've got this unknown disease from another country. And actually it was just dysbiosis of my gut through candida and through all the antibiotics and the, the, the burden that I put on it and everything I was doing from a conventional point of view was actually making things worse, which is just unbelievable. So then I had to go on my own healing journey. And during that healing journey of trying to cleanse and restore and detox and open up the pathways and reintroduce and, you know, do all those things again, I actually came into contact with an immunologist that said, what are you doing with your life? What's your purpose? And I said, well, I did always want to be a dentist. He's like, well, what are you doing now? I was like, well, not too much, really. I'm just working in an IT company in London. And he's like, okay, right, well how about you go back and I'll put you in contact with the head of admissions at King's College in London. So I was like, okay. And that's the journey that started. So I then went in knowing that I didn't want to be a conventional dentist. So during my whole training is the hardest thing that I was shadowing all the biological, well, I say all of the biological dentists. There's probably only like five in the UK. And unfortunately all of them are close to retirement, which is also crazy. So I knew that it was kind of like my, my passion to really drive it forward and kind of create some, kind of whirlwind in the UK and actually only today I had a student from Liverpool University coming and shadowing because she's seen me on Instagram and wants to learn the way to do it as a dentist so you know it's amazing having these things you know to influence how people think and feel so that's kind of my long story short it was it was a cocktail of lots of little things that led to where I am today and all in a positive way though right I've learned had so many great mentors over the years and I've I've loved every moment so yeah and even the conventional dentists it's all taught me something right that's what you've got to be learning right everything yes yeah no I I say that to a lot of students who are thinking about becoming dietitians they're like I don't want to go that route because you know it's not the holistic route but same to you. I, I learned so much as part of that journey and you just have to put in some extra work to really, uh, you know, learn on your own in some ways. So it gives you wonderful. a great understanding, right. As well of all of the situations. So you can actually have detailed conversations on both sides of the story. Absolutely. I think that's very important in, in the health and wellness field and medical field, of course. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So let's give an overview, if you don't mind, of the connection between the gut microbiome and the oral microbiome. Well, I'm going to clearly say it starts in the mouth, aren't I? <laughs> that's okay. So, I mean, I, I mean, I know you're biased, but I mean, that's, the, that's where things start, right? I mean, we can't deny that. It's interesting, isn't it? And I, so let's just paint a few pictures here, I guess, that, you know, it's an extension of the mucosa in the mouth and the gut, exactly the same. So actually the, the tissue lining is very similar. And what I find fascinating is that what we eat in our mouth influences which bacteria thrive for more so than a gut a little bit because you have the stomach acid and all the enzymes that are introduced right at the front part of the um, process. So for example, if you were to eat refined sugar, let's say all the time, your gut microbiome is, sorry, your oral microbiome is going to be um, more in tune to the more pathogenic bacteria, the ones that are quite quick turnover, can use the glucose quickly and 
um, really influence in a negative way, typically ones that have lots of glucose and can refine it really quickly. They're the bacteria that normally lean towards the anaerobic oxygen, not loving and uh, endotoxin releasing quite quickly ones. Now, if you have that type of diet in your mouth, obviously you're going to, that's the, that's the incubation period for the ones, you know, there's so much you can influence with the mouth and I'm sure we'll come on to that later, but let's just do a purely diet. And then if you are just eating that more, less whole foods, more refined sugar, more processed oils, more carbohydrates that dissolve and decompose in the mouth, you actually are swallowing up to 800 plus times a day. So then you're giving yourself a dose of a pathogenic bacteria potentially, or a percentage of rather than a probiotic. So if you actually influence your mouth to be as balanced as possible, and I'm sure we'll talk about some ways later to do that, that you can actually be giving yourself probiotics every time you swallow in a positive way. Um, so that's kind of the reason I say it starts in the mouth. And obviously what affects the gut more than the mouth is when you have antibiotics, they go directly into the gut. So then that's when you get more of a dysbiosis between the two. And I'm sure you've been on your own journey with that as well. And, um, so, yeah, but I think it's so important for two reasons, because obviously the bacteria, you know, if it's nice, commensal, loving bacteria, happy bacteria, it will actually help us mineralize our teeth in the mouth. It will actually help us break down our food in the gut. It will actually release less toxins, which means less inflammation in our gut, which means less leaky gut, which means less leaky gums, which also means less bacteria get into your bloodstream and endotoxin into your bloodstream, which also means less inflammation in your whole body and which inflammation causes chronic disease, right? So that's what we're trying to target here. So that's a bit of a bit of a summary around uh, like my influence and how much I take it seriously in, in the mouth. But I mean, the things that influence the microbiome in the mouth, you've got the materials that are in there, obviously, and metals is a big thing and heavy metals being in a place that maybe shouldn't have a place when you can use more biocompatible things and heavy metals attract candida fungus negative bacterias let's talk um, about that a little bit more because i um i know i have a lot of clients who have for instance mercury fillings um and i know a lot like a lot of dentists aren't doing those nowadays but a lot of people still have them in their mouths and yeah, what impact does that have on our, our health in general? It doesn't have to be specific to the gut, but yeah, I don't think people know a lot about this topic. And they're like a double whammy <laughs> because you've got two aspects with those metals. You've got, it's an alloy anyway. So you've got mercury, tin, copper, silver, and um, a bit of nickel sometimes as well. And then you've got the mercury in with it, which is causes the alloy to, to fuse together. And, you know, when they first came around, they thought, right, the mercury is um, liquid. When you mix it together, they, they stay together and create an alloy and it's no, nothing given off. But, you know, science has proven now that if you grinding using hot or cold drinks um, or um, even more metals within the mouth causing like a tiny little galvanic current because your saliva has minerals in it, then that creates like an anode and a cathode in the mouth which is a positive and negative like pace and then one of them releases more of the ions into the mouth as well so having those tiny bits of metals being released into the mouth means that um there's actually studies that show that the metals actually help the biofilm survive because what the biofilm does is it protects itself anyway but if you have a metal coating around it made up of metals it stops your immune system getting in because it kind of flags it away and says right you're just um, metal will leave you be, whereas it's got all of the stuff hidden in the in layers. 
And they're the bits that release the toxins that go around digesting things, those biofilms, those plaques that are floating around. Um, but of course, you've got the pure mercury vapor, which is only released in nano amounts, obviously. So that's like 10 to the minus nine. It's a tiny amount. But tiny amounts are enough for some people's detox systems to just go haywire and not work at all and put it into places that are not needed. And that's when you get the neurological conditions, the low that, you know, that's hidden in the nerve cells and the joints and people with gout and things like that. They all appears in these areas and causes inflammation in places that shouldn't because the body can't detoxify from it in some individuals. And they're the ones that really suffer from the mercury fillings. But no matter whether you've got mercury or not, you know, the mercury in the body has to be detoxified and it's taking a percentage capacity of your liver's cap capability of detoxing, right? So I always say it's like turning off the tap, giving your energy back to something else so it can do other things, right? And that's what we're trying to do in this world nowadays is reduce our toxic load so we can function and, you know, have less brain fog, focus on our job, you know, be committed, have loads of energy, wake up constant energy all day. You know, that's what we focus on. So it's kind of two things. You've got the the metals in within it that cause um, attraction of fungus and bite antibiotic, no, um, like the pathogenic bacteria. And then you've got the mercury as well. And even if you look at the mercury, you can say it's more like an antibiotic in the mouth because it's so toxic. You know, I've seen most mercury fillings, they live like 40, 50 years in patients' teeth. And the only reason they do that is because nothing can go around it and cause decay. It's very rare to. Right. And it's normally the cusps and the, the, the person's own teeth that break before the mercury fails. Um, but because it's so toxic, it's like having an antibiotic in your mouth. So then constantly you've got a dysbiosis because everything's in balance. Right. And if you've got an antibiotic being released all the time, it's going to favor the bad bacteria to thrive. And the, the good bacteria is not going to have as much of a say because it can't really take hold. So it's all a balance. And you've got to try and get it in the middle of that dynamic equilibrium. Okay. So what, what would your approach be to cavities? Like if somebody has a filling or something like that, what is your approach for patients? Depends where it is and how big it is. So like if it's, if it's very early on um, within the enamel or within the first third of the dentine layer, I make sure that everything is kind of balanced off. So, so in a nutshell, for me, decay and and cavities can come from a few things one not proper saliva flow and remineralization of the teeth which can be caused from just saliva output minerals in the diet or mouth breathing and like evaporation of the saliva so it's not going onto all the teeth in the places where it should be remineralizing teeth two too much pressure on, or three too much pressure on the teeth where you're cracking and breaking the teeth in the bulbous areas and decays happening in between the teeth Obviously, you've got the improper oral hygiene and letting plaque build up on these areas, which causes an anaerobic layer close to the tissues and the acid release dissolves them a little bit. Um, so they're the main reasons. And then obviously eating too much refined sugar and stuff more than two hours a day. So my rule is if you do, you know, obviously eat whole food, you know, as much as you can and when you are eating the whole foods and say you are snacking on something, even if you're snacking on something healthy-ish like fruit, just don't do it for a prolonged period of time because your teeth are either remineralizing or demineralizing. And you want them to be remineralizing 22 hours a day and you want them to be demineralizing only up to two hours a day. And you can influence it by changing all those things that we just talked around. Um, but my approach, if the first thing is get those right, and if those things are right and it's tiny little holes on the teeth, 
we can either use ozone gas to kind of disinfect it and then seal over the top in like a BPO free plastic. Or if it's in kids' teeth, I tend to use like a quartzy glass out and a half BPO free plastic and just slow the progress down and just squirt it in their teeth because I don't like traumatizing kids at a young age. Don't like using needles, don't like using drill because you just don't want them to be scared of the dentist because that's going to impact them for years to come otherwise. And I've seen that in my practice from the older generation. Sure. And, and I know a lot of people that are, you know, in their adult age and they're scared to go to the, the dentist yeah. because of those experiences and that can really screw them over health wise. So that's, that's good to know. So you mentioned a lot of, of really important things there and maybe we could jump into the topic of what are some things that really negatively impact the oral microbiome. So I know you said a lot of refined sugars um, you mentioned improper breathing techniques. I'd love to talk about that because I know that you see all over social media now, a lot of people are doing mouth taping. Um, yeah. Curious about your approach on this. I mean, I know there's also the topic of like structural issues within, um, you know, like a, someone's facial structure or whatever. It, like is mouth taping actually treating a root cause or is it just like, is someone going to have to mouth tape forever why are they doing that like maybe we could start there and then kind of if there's any other things that are really really hurting people's oral microbiome that we shouldn't be doing if we could just kind of touch on a few of those well so the foundation is you know your bread and butter which is whole food nutrition good supplementation good you know pre-probiotics in the form of like sauerkraut kimchi you know all of the things that actually provide us those nutrients um, and influence the microbiome and you know nowadays you can even get oral probiotics which has the like in mints for example and you just put it in your mouth and you just hold it there for as long as you can and obviously then you're influencing actually directly influencing the the good prebiotics and probiotics that provide dental health and reduce decay and gum disease um, so you're actually influencing that but to me if you get everything right with nutrition you know for, for people that are far away from that area I kind of don't use those adjuncts until we get the foundations right. Um, so f- for sure, the food and refined sugar is the number one thing. But honestly, I feel at the moment in time that um, mouth breathing is such a huge thing because let's just think around what our saliva does. And it all comes down to the saliva. The saliva is released in a few places. It's released just behind your upper molars um, around there. And it's released from the um, just underneath your lower anterior teeth, your front incisors. Now, if you mouth breathe, typically you're going to have lots of calculus stuck in two areas. One, just at the top of the um, molars, because it just dries out. And so our saliva has minerals in it that our body releases into the mouth when the teeth are in need. And that is all through chemical messaging from inside the teeth and the immune system within the teeth. So lots of people that have lots of calculus stuck to the lower anteriors and upper molars, typically that's their body saying, look, you need to remineralize your teeth. We're fighting a losing battle here. We're out of balance kind of thing. So the problem is when you mouth breathe and it dries there, it's getting to few teeth, <laughs> right? And you've got up to, 10, up to 32 teeth in your mouth. And if you're only getting to four of them, then you're not really minimalizing any of the others. So that combined, when someone mouth breathes, they're actually more prone to clench and grind their teeth. Because if you imagine the lower jaw is where your tongue is attached, but the tongue should be constantly pushing in the roof of the mouth because that helps with the posture. That helps with keeping it out of the airway. Because if the tongue's sealed to the roof of the mouth, it can't fall backwards when you're asleep because you've got your soft palate there. 
And if your tongue's in the lower jaw, when you mouth breathe, one, your jaw opens to cut off the airway a little bit of the tube. But also um, the soft palate and everything falls back and the tongue falls the airway. So that's why mouth taping is so good and for a few reasons, because you're ensuring that your mouth's not going to be open. And you're also ensuring that um, if if you do have to clench and grind your teeth, there's... Um, I don't recommend doing it for everyone without seeing them. Obviously, I'd always say that because it's covering me. But I always say that mouth taping is helping stop the mouth coming falling open, which ensures that your nasal breathing. But what I get my clients, patients, and people on social media to do is put some um, nasal dilators in your nose to ensure that you can breathe through your nose at night. Because when we detoxify at night and we clear our system, our nose um, can collapse and become inflamed. And if it, if it collapses, then you're going to have to mouth breathe. So if you don't do that, and you've got your mouth taped. I only know this because I've done it for so many years and realized that some of the nights I was actually trying to breathe through my mouth tape and not being able to do it. So essentially I was giving myself sleep apnea, right? Which yeah. is not what you want to be doing at night. You don't want to be starving oxygen to your brain and muscles <laughs> while you're trying to rest. No, thanks. <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> so I always say nasal dilate, lo- wear a lower bite guard, very thin one, only one mil thick. And it's just a bit, bit of BPA-free plastic. It's normally an Essex retainer that I get my patients to do. And you put it in. And because it's not tooth on tooth, it doesn't lock in. So then the jaw can grind over each other a bit easier. And if the jaw can grind over a bit more easily, then you're not going to lock in. You're not worried about damaging the teeth. You're ensuring that you can mouth uh, nasal breathe and you're stopping your mouth breathing by taping. So that's normally the route that I take. And then, of course, you're ensuring that the saliva flow is running through the mouth because you're not evaporating it, right? Sure, which probably, I mean, staying hydrated is probably a part of that too, right? Being able to generate saliva as well. So that, I mean, kind of back to your point about nutrition and everything as well. Okay, so so mouth taping is worth it. Then people might want to give it a try, but, but you're saying making sure the nasal passage is clear and able to have that before you consider doing that. Yeah, and a really easy test to see how your nose compares is if your lips are together and you really do a sharp, deep inhalation through your nose like this you can see that mine collapses on one side and so does yours. So that means that if you, if you put these little things in to hold your nose open, it doesn't collapse. Oh, okay. Sometimes it can just be that inflammation in the cartilage that stops you from breathing. And since wearing nasal dialects, it's probably about eight months now while I'm sleeping. And I would say that I've not had a bad night's sleep really because of that. And I was taking for years before that as well. Wow. Incredible. Okay. That's a great, great tip. Um, so we've talked about fillings and cavities. We've talked about breathing techniques. Um, what about um, in terms of, so you said sugars, but what about other diet, like crackers, starchy foods, things like that? I mean, I, I know those aren't bad necessarily, but let's say somebody is eating those at every meal. Like, should they be brushing their teeth after every meal? Should they be flossing after every meal? Because those can, you know, those starches could be then contributing to some sort of overgrowth. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? My theory for this is that if you're eating food throughout the day or when you do eat, just get some water in your mouth after you've eaten and swish it around because that's going to neutralize any acids at there. And you can actually use a swishing to clear the debris from in the areas of the teeth as well. Because what you don't want is stagnant food just it's like staying there but it's more it's longer than 48 hours it causes a problem so if you're ensure that you're brushing your teeth right before bed is the main time because you've eaten food all day right 
I don't actually agree with flossing and overbrushing too much because I think plaque, if you're in balance, has an actually good place because it's good bacteria that's going to help remineralize your teeth and shuttle those minerals back into the teeth. So I'm a big fan of oil pulling in the morning and interdental cleaning at night, which is cleaning in between your teeth. And I don't like interdental cleaning aids, like the brushes that can spike your gums and cause bleeding because then obviously you're disrupting the, the immune system by allowing bugs into very small amounts. But, you know, you can get really extreme with this. And there's a disease called endocarditis, which is when people have had a dental clean, they can have these bacteria that travel in the blood and eat the heart valves. And that's, you know, for years, they used to prophylactically prescribe antibiotics before before doing treatment for these patients that are at high risks. And that's just from bugs in the mouth that gets into the blood and gets to the heart. So wow. I'm just a big believer in less is more. Um, don't overbrush, very gentle brush. I love a toothbrush that's called the Curaprox, um, C-U-R-O-P-R-O-X. And it's like a microfiber brush for um, toothbrushes. So it's got like 7,000 bristles. Doesn't even feel like you're brushing your teeth, but it's just super gentle. And afterwards, it's like squeaky clean. Mm. And before that one, I and it's a manual toothbrush. It's nothing exciting. I used to just have that one to um, go away and have it as my travel bag. But then I loved it so much when I've been away. I've kind of some nights I use it over my electric toothbrush as well. So, and that's a really good way to ensure that you're not overbrushing because overbrushing causes inflammation in the gum line too, which causes inflammation in the body. So it's just about minimizing all these things. And I find that. You know, my, my routine, I, I get up in the morning, I scrape my tongue because the tongue has lots of hairy follicles, cat-like things on there that can actually store food, debris, bacteria. And if you don't brush it, it's constantly being released into the system. You're swallowing that, right? Of course, you use your tongue to swallow. So I brush my tongue morning and night, I become a bit addicted to that. And then I um, oil pull in the morning for up to like 20 minutes. And I just use coconut oil most of the time. You can use essential oils with it and just, uh, just a drop in a teaspoon of coconut oil and switching it around to just coat the teeth, pull it in between the teeth. So you're ensuring there's no massive bits of plaque stuck in there. And then I actually don't brush my teeth in the morning because I believe in the healthy version of plaque, but I don't recommend doing that if you've got dental disease, obviously. Um, and then what I do is in the evening, I clean in between my teeth, but either um, like, I like silicone type, TP brushes, I guess, but they're not spiky. And you put them in between your teeth with little nobbles on them and they just move the bigger foods out. And then, or the water jet, which just sprays water in between the teeth as well. And then brush my teeth for the usual two minutes, every every surface. Um, I typically don't use mouthwash that much. And if I do, it'd be like a very gentle, um, like essential oil version, because you don't want to kill good and bad bacteria. You just want to kind of create a good, good favorable environment for the good bacteria um so yeah and then obviously nasal dilate lower mouth guard and mouth tape at night so you're not drying your mouth out at night too so that's the environment that i try to keep as and i've probably been doing that for about two years now maybe and yeah every time i obviously i can easily get to a hygienist at our clinic every time I see my teeth there's no calculus to clean off nothing and i'm not even brushing twice a day which is crazy right that's awesome. And I think you make a really good point there because this is something that obviously translates to the gut as well is that people think bacteria and they think, oh, they're all bad. So we need stuff to kill that off. Mm. And that's not necessarily the case. You know, what you said about supporting a healthy environment. And if we go in and we think that we can just have the ability to kill the bad ones and keep the good ones, I mean, similar to an antibiotic, we don't want to kill off all those bacteria. We want to foster a healthy environment 
so that those can grow versus just having an antiseptic or, you know, that type of mindset going into it. So that's really helpful. And um, I have been oil pulling for several years, but I wasn't sure like, you know, if I should do it in addition to brushing. So I'm definitely going to incorporate more of that. Would you say the morning is the best time to do it? I've heard that that is, but I seem to love it. Yeah. I mean, I do it while I'm doing other things. I even do it when I'm doing my exercise so I can do my um, nasal breathing because obviously I can't talk or do anything. So I go out running with the dog with oil pulling and uh, it's quite funny, but hopefully I, I, I'm like, hopefully it's early enough for people not to bump into me because I can't talk to them. <laughs> yeah. my I used to do it in college and it was one of my roommates and I, and we'd have it and like, we'd, we'd run into each other in the morning and we'd be like, you know, waving. And if, if something funny happened, it was game over because, you know, you, you're not supposed to swallow it. And I just remember we were like, okay, we can't look at each other because <laughs> oh, it was really funny. But, um, so that's good. I definitely yeah. do it in the morning for sure. Okay. My morning, just, I, you know, you read the books like oil pulling and can cure everything. I don't do it to cure anything, but I do it to keep my mouth healthy. And I, I do believe it has some mild detox properties though, from pulling through the bud. And sure. you, your, your tongue is very vascular. Mm-hmm. um so and, it, and the oil obviously has the ability to go into the cells because it's an oil yep that that's how we take a lot of you know medications vitamin d sublingual cbd top um uh products so yeah that makes a lot of sense because the the skin is so thin so i will keep doing that and if the listeners are not they should you can look it up you can look up um oil pulling but it sounds like raw coconut oil is the best way to go that's the way I've always done it. And I don't mind the taste. I actually kind of like it. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. All right. So let's talk about ingredients and things that people should avoid. Um, Fluoride would be a great place to start because I had flashbacks this morning thinking about just trying to, I mean, having you on today, I was just trying to think, okay, what has my journey been with my dental health? Because the cavities were one of the biggest things that kept showing up for me and um, I just remember doctors saying, oh, more, more fluoride, more fluoride. And I know like a lot of the research on fluoride and its impact on the gut microbiome, but I, I know more about the addition to water for fluoride, not necessarily the impact of uh, dental products with fluoride. So I'd love if you could just touch on that and then some other ingredients that people should avoid in like toothpaste or floss or mouthwash in general, if there's like a few main ones that you see a lot of. It's, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because, you know, this is the whole problem with our society that we zoom in on one little area and yes, fluoride strengthens enamel on teeth, but that's, that's a positive, right? But what are all of the other effects that it has in the body? And actually, you know, Anything in high concentration is going to disrupt a cellular process one way or the other. And actually, if the um, bacteria from producing their energy productions, then the thing is, if that happens as well, it's going to stop them from living. And when bacteria die off quickly, it means that they release toxins, which mean they create an acid environment, which means they cause um, demineralization in the mouth or an acidic environment that you're swallowing. And then your stomach acid having to do more. And it's hard. It's when you've got this acidic mouth environment and you're swallowing it, yes, your stomach acid is going to kill 99% of it, but that 1% is probably going to get through and that's going to influence how your overall gut and well-being is. And, you know, even the holistic like effects of fluoride, you know, the studies are showing how much lower IQ is in areas of fluoridated water compared to other places. And Lower IQ, I mean, I've heard research of, I mean, I know that in medical practice, 
I don't remember if it was like the 1800s that they used to give people fluoride to treat hyperthyroidism to Mm -hmm. basically slow down thyroid. So if you look at our rates of hypothyroidism, my, you know, my brain goes, Oh, that's, that's not good. That can't be good to have. So that's interesting. Um, you know, so no, no fluoride in products then maybe something we should not be doing. No. And if you're not so interestingly, so actually competes for the, um, thyroxine in the body in the in the thyroid but also so does mercury so if you've got fluoride and mercury together then your thyroid is going to be not working at all because of the spaces that actually have your cellular process of your, your natural thyroxine trying to influence how your thyroid is releasing its hormones that actually um sorry the receptor sites to release the thyroxine it's not going to work because they're occupied and they're not moving and they're stopping your body from actually doing the natural processes so yeah stopping fluoride is a big thing for for overall well-being in general endocrine system um but i yeah it's a really tough one isn't it because how often do i recommend fluoride i don't really recommend it at all but if someone comes in and they're not willing to change the diet, change their lifestyle, change all those things, and they're at risk of losing loads of teeth, I will say, well, until you've got everything together and you're willing to make changes, just use it, you know? And kids, I don't really use it for because that's when we're growing, developing pineal gland isn't outside of the blood-brain barrier, so then it calcifies things. And, you know, we know fluoride goes into the the body and makes bones hard and brittle. We know it strength over strengthens teeth and discolors them. And actually it does calcify soft tissues as well. So, you know, I think a lot of my patients obviously understand this. So I rarely have to talk about fluoride because no one comes in using it. And actually do I see more dental disease than when I was working in the national health service? No, <laughs> I don't because it's been, it's been nurtured the other way. In fact, I see less. It's crazy, right? Yeah. yeah so incredible. <laughs> it is incredible so always you but, know yeah. always good to be skeptical. always good to be skeptical of those like, like those single symptom treatments right so yeah yes. we could talk about that for 17 podcasts honestly of medications <laughs> and how those deplete certain mineral like there's always a domino effect there's always it's not just as simple as one thing can go in and just target that without somehow disrupting another area of the body. So I think it's good to a, you know, be a little bit skeptical, try to educate yourself and yeah, try to take a holistic approach just like you're talking about. Yeah. And if you are worried about not having fluoride to strengthen the teeth, use hydroxyapatite. Lots of toothpaste are coming with hydroxyapatite now. And that's a, that's so, so good because since the release of that it's it's basically the crystalline structure that's formed your enamel anyway so you're 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 directly acting these crystals into the mouth which is actually strengthening the layer it's not gonna be as strong as fluoride but hey it's better than fluoride from a holistic perspective no bad effect and actually it strengthens your bones and teeth and gives the minerals to that as well so okay that's what that's the the toothpaste that i've just ordered literally this morning in anticipation for our um our call today I am currently using a toothpaste that it's Bionite clay and it has essential oils in it, but I had a feeling that kind of your approach to maybe too much of an antiseptic um, effect from the essential oils, would you say that maybe that's not the best type of toothpaste to be using? It's interesting, isn't it? Because I know some biological dentists really don't like essential oils, but I think in such low concentrations, it's not really that big a deal. I think that 
I mean, the thing is moderation, right? So maybe mm-hmm. don't use that one every day and okay. maybe mix them up. So I think that there's there's things that can be done both ways and, you know, there's benefits to both. And I think what essential oils don't do is they're not sidle. They don't kill loads of bacteria. They, in the low concentrations that they're in, they create like a static environment, stop, stop um, the bacteria from replicating too much. And if you've got, if you combine that with good food nutrition and stuff like that, then it means the ones that aren't going to be replicating the bad ones because they're not got the food that they feed on either. So you can push it in the right way as well, right? Okay. So I have a little bit more leverage because I'm doing really well with my diet is what you're saying. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good. Awesome. All right. So other ingredients, you know, things to look for, um, like, you know, artificial sweeteners, I mean, aspartame, yeah. things like that. I, yeah. I typically recommend people stay away from those just from a dietary perspective, but based on our conversation, because you're mentioning, okay, these things can easily pass into the blood through the thin skin in our mouth. So maybe a good idea to avoid some of those ingredients that we wouldn't consume. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, alcohols in mouthwashes because they obliterate good and bad bacteria you want to use a natural even salt water is really good for mouthwash and it neutralizes the ph in the mouth and the acidity so that's good and remember we don't want teeth dissolving one and remineralizing so increasing that ph level is good Uh, things like triclosan and yeah there's, there's just so many really e numbers titanium dioxide glycerin i actually stops remineralizing well slows it down so but lots of them use it because it's oily so i mean there's so many things and then you've got obviously the ethical things as well if there's oils in there that have been farmed in a wrong you know the palm oil some of them do have as well but you know typically you don't want those type of oils in your diet so you don't if you're conscious about your diet you're not going to have them in your toothpaste either um and even like I like bennonite clay and I like charcoal because they absorb toxins and they are a bit abrasive, which means that you can, um, you know, prevent stains from going on your teeth as well. Okay. All right. Good. So I've learned a lot today about even just the remineralization cycle. I had no idea how many hours was spent doing one versus the other. So that that's fascinating to me. This is Great information. Thank you. I hope everyone is taking notes and I'm sure everyone wants to go check their toothpaste now and (laughs) get a tongue scraper, which are like, what, $5 if even? Yeah, they're not a lot at all. Very cheap. I also love copper tongue scrapers because we're pretty deficient in copper. So when you're scraping your tongue, you actually get some copper into your system as well at the same time. Okay. That's great because I'm, I'm very, I'm very in the copper research right now. I've just been spending like at least three hours a week diving down that hole. So that's good to know. I'll be talking a lot more about that, but I would love to hear about any specific signs that someone might like realize, okay, I do have an oral microbiome issue. I mean, when I'm looking for candida for, you know, clients, I'm looking at their tongue in terms of like having a white coating on their tongue but I know you mentioned cavities obviously that's going to be a sign of you know some issue with your um, oral microbiome is there anything else that you would add to that that is kind of a red flag for you to say oh there's something going on that we need to address yeah if, if things are looking red and angry rather than pink and healthy that's normally a disbalance if someone's got bleeding gums obviously that's another disbalance if someone's got um 
like white lesions in the cheeks or on the tongue. Again, that's not ideal. Um, so they're the typically the main things. I'm just trying to think if there's anything else receding gum line but that can also be pressure on the teeth you know everything's multifactorial it's not one thing or the other but they're typically the ones I look at and I think for me it's the coating on the tongue the and sometimes it can just the coating on the tongue can just be because someone's not actually brushing their tongue and then the one that takes over is the fungus because that's the opportunistic one Um, but then if you've got it on your tongue it means you're going to be swallowing all day so you're going to be introducing it into your system more than you should be it's all about keeping that balance, isn't it? And swaying it towards the good way rather than the bad way. So your body can actually capitalize on things. Mm-hmm. So supporting red, the body, it sounds like. Supporting the body. Absolutely, yeah. So red bleeding gums, red angry mucosa, coating on the tongue, white kind of spots everywhere, um, loads of plaque. That's the things that you don't want to be looking at um, because you should be cleaning the plaque off at least once a day. So I, I always prefer evening before bed because of, you've eaten all day, basically. Okay, excellent. And the last question, do you recommend microbiome testing or is there oral microbiome testing that you use in your practice? Yeah, there is. You know, We use a company called Invivo in the UK to test our oral microbiome. Do I do it for every patient? No. Um, why don't I do it for every patient? Because it costs money. It's like a couple of hundred pounds. So I think, well, my theory, this is me, is if there's a disbalance and someone's not been to us before, then we give them all the baseline to start with. When they've got to that baseline and there's not an imbalance, then fine. If there is, and we don't know why they're still going on, we can either do genetic testing to show why the body's reacting the way it's reacting, or we can do bug testing to see which ones are living in there so then we can influence it more. But if, if you get the nutrition right, the brushing, the cleaning, the hygiene right, the metals out of the mouth, the potential root canals that are in the mouth that could harbor bad bacteria of the microbiomes in balance, um, then everything should be in a better place. And you'll notice the tasting different, the food tasting um, different, the, um, the smells coming from your mouth. There's so many things. And also, like, you'll just feel less inflamed. And I think for me, it's, yes, we do it, but only when things aren't resolving, which is rare. So I'd probably say we do it in about 5% of cases. Okay, very cool. I think it's, it sounds like it's a really great tool to have for those, those who are resistant to the, I don't want to say basics, because I don't think a lot of these things are basic based on what conventional medicine has taught us. But I do have a very similar approach with microbiome testing is, you know, if I have a client who's been dealing with stuff for 12 years and they've tried everything, like, yes, that's a good time to test. But mm. that if you don't have these baseline things down, then there's no sense in testing and wasting your money. You should always, in my opinion, it sounds like this is your approach as well, but you should get the things right that you know your body needs, that you know support optimal health, immune system, microbiome, oral and then if you're still feeling sick, then it's a tool, but that's a, that's a good approach and, and, you know, a cost effective and, and smart approach to really find the root cause of what's going on. For sure. It's how I would want to do it. And, and it's interesting because it goes back to my own story where I was ill, antifungals, antibiotics, and I did this Genova diagnostics test, which was stool analysis of my gut microbiome and it came out with everything wrong <laughs> and I hadn't really even started like really what I should be doing. So then I went on the cutting out sugar, you know, cutting out grains, cutting out dairy, you know, no alcohol. And, you know, that's led me to where I am now. That was like eight years ago, but it took me about 18 months to start feeling like I was getting better day by day, but to start feeling where I was pre illness, 
And then I was like, right, well, let's do another test and see where we are. And actually, it picked up more specific things. Like the, the first one didn't pick up any candida, which was weird. Mm. And then later picked up a huge overgrowth of candida. That And it showed, the other thing is it shows what it's weak to, doesn't it? So for example, oregano oil, they tested that it was weak to, so it can kill it. So then you then you can be more specific about it. But the first one was just so crazy that it didn't really help at all. We still followed the same protocol. And then when I was like 80%, but not 100%, I was like, well, let's do it and let's see. And then when you know that, then you can actually target it more, right? Mm. The body is so fascinating. It's so fascinating. Well, I'm glad to hear that you have really found, you know, this passion in your own health journey. And we're so grateful that you're sharing all your information with other people. I mean, we... We focus mainly on the gut microbiome here, but if, you know, if people are interested in learning more, um, Dr. Seb has so much information on, you know, his Instagram page. And I'm not sure if there's a website that you want to direct people to, but I've learned so much from his page and I'm feel like I'm just scratching the surface on the impact of the oral microbiome to so many different aspects of, you know, neurodegenerative diseases, heart health, you name it. So go check him out. What is your, um, what's your website? What's your Instagram handle? So my Instagram is at biological underscore dentist. And then the website, we're actually just developing a new one at the moment. It's quite old school, but it's wonderofwellness.co.uk, which has my generic kind of like information on there. Stole a bit of my, my wife's website. So we're developing a new one that has biological dentistry more on it. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, I love it. But they're the main places really and yeah of course I, I actually do run calls for people to seek direction as well if they don't have a biological dentist near them and to help them so I, I don't have a lot of time to do them so I do, kind of do an afternoon every two weeks typically just to try and support people um, and that's on the website you can book those ones into that's great thank you so much and the most important question is what is your favorite childhood memory with food food one of my favorite ones is um i think it's like a friday night and you know when you're a kid and you're always looking forward to hanging out with your friends on a friday and we always used to get papa john's pizzas which is obviously great great for your microbiome but one (laughs) night we changed it we said should we do something different and we actually um (laughs) we we made our own pasta this is me and my mate we're about like 14 or 15 so i have no idea why we're doing this we made our own spaghetti pasta following recipes online made our own like um bolognese and meatball sauce and we when we were eating our food my mom and dad hated it because we were like how messy can you eat this bag bowl (laughs) (laughs) not only how can we be creative but how can we eat it in the worst possible way (laughs) so that was one of my best memories of eating food as a kid and i absolutely love spaghetti bolognese which is interesting because only this weekend um we're on, I'm on a bit of a cleanse myself now. So I've gone back into cutting out even the good sugars and refined anything and grains and dairy and even legumes. So it, I'm literally just having a few potatoes. And But I had a, made a bolognese sauce with like grass-fed beef. I'm, what can I put it in? So I just grated loads of butternut squash and just cooked it in coconut oil. <laughs> but it was Yum. delicious, right? That Absolutely delicious. And it took me back to that memory. So it's funny how you mentioned that tonight. And I'm assuming you didn't eat it with your hands. No, I didn't. <laughs> well, you might have to go back and recreate that because it seems like it would be very nostalgic for you. <laughs> I should do. Maybe that's where it's coming from. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thank you, Dr. Seb, again, for taking the time. And I really appreciate all the work that you're doing. Uh, you too. Thank you. And keep going with this. It's such yeah. good information out there. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. 
Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you are interested in working one-on-one with me to improve your gut health, get to the root cause of why you aren't reaching your health goals, you can go to nutritionrewired.com. My group coaching program for the next three months is full, but I will be opening up another round of applications in the fall. So if you're interested, feel free to shoot me a message and I can put you on the wait list. And as a reminder, none of the information on this podcast is meant to diagnose, treat any disease, and should not be used as a substitute for medical advice. Thanks again for tuning in. And as always, don't forget to share the health.